So, everyone, welcome to episode 15 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. We have just witnessed a Blue Jays-Orioles game that was nearly disastrous for Toronto, but ended up being uh, fairly exciting and giving us a little bit of Orioles wildcard flashback with a absurd managing decision costing Baltimore the game at the end there. Uh, much lower stakes for sure, but... Stone, what was your first thought when you saw that in this one-run game, the the uh, Orioles weren't going to walk Friday? <laughs> My first thought was exactly what you just said. It was the, that it reminded me instantly of uh, of Buck Showalter in the, the 2016 wildcard game. Uh, like you say, stakes were different. Um, but, but, yeah, it doesn't seem like that was a great idea. And the thing about that, too, is that I mean, as good as Kirk has been, and if you wanted to argue to yourself somehow that in this moment, Kirk is more likely to get a hit, more likely to do something than Vladdy, and Vladdy's less dangerous than him, that's a stupid thing to argue to yourself. But you could theoretically do that. But you have to know about Kirk is that he's extremely vulnerable to the double play as well. It's not like you're setting up that double play, and it's this wildly hypothetical scenario that's very unlikely to come to pass. The reality is that Kirk is the guy you want at the plate in a scenario where you need a double play. Now, you know, of course, he can hit it to the outfield. There's a ton of things he can do that isn't that. But, you know, you couldn't ask for a better guy to potentially set the double play up for as well. Like if it's Teoscar even, it's a bit of a different conversation because with his speed, he is hard to double up. But it's fucking Alejandro Kirk. (laughs) Well, so why don't you just pitch to Vladdy, I guess? It's, it's a weird move. Uh, I don't. I don't know how many reporters they got covering the Orioles these days, but uh, I'm sure the Baltimore Sun is going to be. Uh, it's going to have some things to say uh, about that move because yeah, it's uh, that's Vladdy, and also it's not like it. You know, Vladdy's had some some ruts this year a little bit, uh, and even recently, you know, the on base hasn't been quite the same. A lot of ground balls. Um, he had a pretty good game, and he's Vladdy, uh, who was the runner up for the MVP. Would have wanted if not for Otani last year. Um, maybe not the guy you let hit there, um, but happy they did it. Happy we don't have to talk about the other things we would have had to talk about if they didn't win this stupid game. Um, I'm not happy that I had to re, you know, I'm gonna have to rewrite like a ton of stuff that I did during like during the game about how, you know, how that that third inning they really powered them to victory, and then Barrios cruised, and oh man, that was it was a roller coaster. Uh, but yeah, I'm still just sort of stunned that they would that they would let that happen. And and let's not let that overshadow Adam Simber, who was like a boss there, which was, you know, the Jays don't have a lot of swing and miss to their bullpen. He's not a swing and miss guy. He did a great job uh, getting out of that situation, getting a big strikeout when he needed. Not his not his calling card, but uh, uh, outstanding performance from him too. Just because this game ended on such a high note, I feel like the energy for the callers is there. So we'll go there right away. We have Jonathan. Yeah, let's do that. Good idea. Jonathan, you'll have to unmute yourself. Thank you for calling us. Are you there, Jonathan? I'm hearing a healthy buzz, but that's about it. I mean, I did say that there was a buzzing energy, and it's gone. Yeah, we've had, we've had some accidental uh, calls <laughs> in the last little bit. 
that'll happen with the you know live radio or facsimile of live radio that we're dealing with. Um, oh, Jonathan's trying again. Okay. Let's let's give we'll let's give him let's another, give him another try. Let's let's give him another try. Jonathan, we're you're back. On mute on the bottom right. Yeah, it's a little happy face microphone thing. All right, we might have to uh, might have to squelch this one. I don't know if that's a technical term. Jonathan, if you have thoughts, you can throw them in the uh, comment section. That'd be a one. Yeah, let's let's not derail this. Let's not spoil this mood. Yeah, but yeah, just continuing <laughs> on, Vladdy, like he has been hitting a fair amount of ground balls recently. But you know, in his last five games, he had nine hits. They threw it up on the broadcast too that in June he had 11 balls at 110 miles per hour plus, and the next guy was Judge with six. Obviously, three more in this game. Uh, and yeah, I did then, screen grab that for another for for what I was writing about a different game before it, tur- it turned. And now it turns out maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get to use that again. Yeah, and I, I mean sometimes with Vladdy, the exit velocity can be deceptive because he's hammering balls into the ground, and I'm sure plenty of those whatever it is now 14 hits at 110 plus were ground balls but you know even when they are on the ground they can be damaging and you know now he's got three home runs in his last four games we've done this dance before this season where it's been kind of disappointing and then he has a little bit of a run and we say oh he's you know he's turned the corner he's nailed it here comes 2021 Vladdy I don't think we necessarily need to do that song and dance again because it's hard to say uh, but there's no point at which I'm going to be surprised if 2021 Vladdy shows up. No, absolutely. And, you know, the, the ground ball thing, if you look at it, like if you look at last year's numbers versus this year, you know, I think he's at, he's above 50%, but last year it was, you know, in the 40s, I think. Uh, so he's still going to hit ground balls. Everybody's going to hit the ball on the ground from time to time. Like, a, uh, But it did seem like there was a preponderance of them for a bit. Um, and even tonight, you know, I think a couple of the hits were ground balls. Uh but uh, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right that that 2021 Vladdy is uh, is very much still there and very much will at some point uh, uh, come to come to the fore and and may, we may be in the in the middle of seeing that process happen anyway, right? Like it, that might be what's going on. Uh, it's kind of fun. It's nice. It's just nice to be to be thinking about fun things after the gut punch that was uh, Jimmy Garcia. Yeah, and and he's been fantastic too. Uh, I don't want to dive down Jimmy Garcia in part just because, you know, he's Jimmy Garcia. But also we have another caller, Evan, and I feel like we should roll the dice on this one. Absolutely. Uh, try and get back in the win column. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, great, man. Good. Thanks for calling in. Good. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, honestly, shout out to Montoyo because I think he outmanaged Hyde this series. And I feel like the manager only gets uh, heat when they do, you know, make a decision that everyone has some problem with. And it turns out the guy was just injured. But... You know, first of all, in the game, it, it kind of went under the radar. I felt like uh, yesterday when he managed to, late in the game, he pinched hit uh, Tapia Espinal, which is a, a weird one because he can't replace that, obviously. But, you know, Zimmer's coming in. But then he also managed to get Zimmer on the base pass and without taking out Moreno for that hit. And then he gets Kirk in to replace Biggio, right? Like, it didn't turn out, but he replaces... You know, speed on the base pass, good defense for Tapia, and gets Kirk in for Biggio with the the platoon split. Uh, that's you know the best the best situation on three three in one inning. And then tonight, you know, Hyde bunts in the ninth when you're the away team, which is a 
an odd decision to begin with, which doesn't work out. And then he pitches to Vladdy. Like <laughs> that's, that's inexplicable to be honest. So I, I think Montoyo gets the, the win in both those for, you know, not, not just being foolish on the second one and making good decisions on the first. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a great point. Yeah, Nick, go, go ahead. Absolutely fair. I mean, anyone could have outmanaged Brendan Hyde in this particular game. So we'll, leave, sure. we'll put that out there first. But I, I think you make a good point. And actually, I wrote something on this today. It's not going to come out for a few days. I feel like I'm always previewing my stories on the podcast. But I don't know. Maybe it can generate some buzz. Anyway, I wrote something today about Montoyo and the on-field tactics and how sort of his rap has been you know what, he makes some blunders with the way he does his bullpen and some of his pinch hitting, and he'll just do some stuff that's kind of confusing, but it's all fine because, you know, he's a good vibes guy and he keeps the team on the right track and whatnot. And it's always impossible to know how valuable that is, and weighing those two things against each other is really difficult. But when you just look at what he's doing on the field alone, like, it's gotten better. Like, he used to be someone who bunted way more than league average. Now he bunts way less than league average. He used to be I know we're talking about the value of an intentional walk, and you know it's kind of ironic. Generally speaking, intentional walks are pretty dumb in most scenarios, and now he's at the very bottom of the league in that. Like He's hitting his challenges at a huge rate. The shifting, if you look at the numbers, all the shifting that they're doing, I know that's not just Charlie, but you know if it's an on-field tactics thing, he's the face of that. The shifting has generally gone well for them this season. And so I think people are going to slowly realize that that complaint about Montoyo, that this is a guy who's on field in game stuff is questionable. Um, you know, that might be a stale take. Like it, things change over time. He's getting more experience in this role at the major league level. He's getting people around him as well. We know it's all a collaborative thing, but he does seem to be improving in that area. And I think people get so dug in with their opinion of, Oh, this guy's not a good manager. or This guy's a great manager. And sometimes we should take a second to reevaluate our priors and think about are things changing? Is someone improving? Because I think he is. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think he definitely is. Like just you know, anecdotally, like I haven't drilled into the into the numbers on it, but uh, and you know, it's like as tempting as it is, you know, everybody wants to make it about somebody. You know, it's like oh, Pete Walker's good. Like every every all the bad decisions are Charlie's, and John Schneider makes all the good ones, or the or Pete Walker does all the good pitching ones, and that seems you know, that that does seem like. Like I mean, I'm kind of hitting at a straw man there, but there does like, you get that sentiment sometimes that Charlie wears the bad ones, but somebody else gets credit for the good ones, and and you know, just, just as he should get some you know some negativity for some of the bad ones because he is the face of it and he is like the final call, the buck stops there. Uh, you know, if maybe Schneider has got some interesting uh, takes and and some more progressive ways of looking at things, then perhaps you know his, the previous bench coach, who's now who's Dave Hudgens, who's still there as the hitting strategist. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how the dynamic works. You know, in dugout, obviously, like at like at real speed, like how much they're going back and forth, how much he's relying on the bench coach, how much that those titles even mean anything. Like, who's really talking about who about what? Um, so yeah, credit to Charlie. I think you're right that he has uh, he has done well, but also yeah, I think you're right that you know I, I, I think any of us could have outmanaged uh, Brent Hyde uh, in this one, which uh, is just deliciously funny. Big 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 fan of that because that was. That was just setting up to be a real, real bummer of a game. It was really not going to be fun to talk about. Uh, and I'm just, I, I've, I've said it already, but just I got a smile on my face thinking about Brandon Hyde and his, his terrible, terrible managerial choices. He, yeah, he threw us a little bit of red meat there. It's funny because when you're a manager of a team that's as bad as the Orioles, there's a weird level of job security that goes with that because there's no expectation of success. 
but it is interesting to think about like is he actually bad i mean i don't know i haven't watched enough orioles baseball thankfully to have a strong opinion on brandon hyde but it would be interesting if he actually was a really really bad manager and was costing them a bunch of games and no one would really notice because they're so bad anyway from a talent perspective i remember seeing earlier in the season that from like a run differential standpoint the orioles were actually a better team than the White Sox. And this was, I don't know, a week ago or something like that. And that they had fallen well bef- below the Pythagorean record or whatever. So uh, it, the theory that Brandon Hyde is not a great manager, um, maybe there's a little bit of evidence to, beyond just what happened tonight. That's, you know, okay, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, early season run differential, not super compelling. Um but all right, I, you mentioned that, and I'm just like, all right, you know what? I want to see Larusa with the Orioles. And I want to see Hyde with the with the White Sox. Let's uh, let's see if we can, we can no, figure I mean, out Larusa with the Orioles would be fantastic. I for think it all would sorts be. of reasons. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, Evan, you're still on. If you had another comment, you're welcome. Otherwise, I think we're going to move on to uh, some of the other stuff we've got going um, off this game because there's a lot. It's there was lot it was happening. quite a game. It was quite a, Barrios was great. Kind of, except two, two of the three hits were home runs, I believe. Um, but that was very encouraging. Jimmy Garcia got like one out, one strike away, I think, from from not being a complete disaster and then was, became a complete disaster, which was uh, not what you want to see, though he's been really good lately, I think, as we have already mentioned. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, I think he had something like an eight-game scoreless streak coming into the game, and he had, you know, well over, like, 10 strikeouts in 7.1. So his the complaint with him was that he wasn't missing bats, and he actually had been recently. So uh, a bit of a setback for him. But and those, per, those first two outs looked great. Like, it was just like, oh, okay. I, 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 I was dreading Jimmy Garcia being in the, the game right now, and, uh, and then it, it, really, it really calmed me to see those first two, uh, two at-bats where he got easy outs and then just boom, 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 uh, tie game. Awful, awful stuff. Unacceptable stuff. I, I love, I see that on Twitter. It's, it's unacceptable. It's like, well, I mean, how you can, you can how, how would you not accept it? Like, you, it, does, you it happened. To it's, it's like, it's just, can. it's a thing that was bad that you didn't like. Doesn't mean it's unacceptable. But. There's a, in this world we're living in right now, there is far too much of people not accepting realities that they don't personally like. So if we can have baseball, not jump into that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, now touching on Barrios a little bit, you know, if you look at the, you know, the end of the day, three earned runs, seven in seven innings and two home runs against a not good lineup. You know, that's not going to net out as some great outing, but I was really impressed with what I saw from him in this game. You know, that breaking ball looked really good. Eight strikeouts, no walks. Like, that's huge for him. We have seen the strikeouts pick up, but seeing that consistently over the last few outings has been really strong for him. Like, some of those, that one pitch to Mountcastle that he hit a home run on, like, it was a bad it was a bad pitch in the sense that it was a high inside breaking ball that he just kind of lost the handle on but also a lot of the time you see that pitch kind of back a guy up or he's sort of surprised by it and just lets it go and Mountcastle you know give him credit he's the ultimate blue jays killer of all time apparently um, yeah apparently he's got yeah I was looking up his tw- 24% of his career home runs against the blue jays 12 out of 50 so far which is insane for a single team <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, he's like an at slightly above average hitter. And then when he faces the Blue Jays, he's in anyway, whatever, you know, uh, is I, a, 
a good. I literally, I remember, I remember, like they fly, you know, they flash everybody's you know, numbers up on the screen during the at bats, and like, like Dan and Pat are talking about him as like he's as like he's Aaron Judge or, or Barry Bonds. I think that I saw that on Twitter as well. Josh Josh Housen was, was talking about that, and there was uh, there there was some banter going on. Uh, and I was just like, man, he's got a 301 on base. Like, the, like, like, what are we doing with this guy? Like, come on, just throw him, like, you know, just, just pitch to him. We don't have to worry about too much. And as my brain is, like, thinking that, there goes that slider over the fence. And, uh, you know, uh, he's not great. It's just when he plays the Blue Jays, it's, you know, I think he would be hard-pressed to find another fan base. Like, I think, Nick, you were talking, tweeting about this, right? Like, the, nobody else would even register who this guy is. And we're like, oh, a dastardly Mountcastle. <laughs> yeah, there's a million guys in the major leagues who can give you, like, 115 WRC plus without any defensive flexibility and play first base. And, you know, he Some of them just, play for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's a guy who's out there who exists. Like, I give him credit. Like, that one home run against Barrios was fantastic. Like, that was, you know, a sight to behold. Yes, uh, yeah. If you're so inclined to appreciate home runs just in a general sense. It was really nice. But, you know, and Rushman, too. Like, see, if he ends up being a big player, obviously, I don't think we're going to look back and be like, this was the game where he hit his first home run. But, I, you know, I always like a first. I think it's kind of cool to see that. The context for the Blue Jays was not great, that, you know, the game – was starting to, you know, it looked like it was a laugher and then suddenly it wasn't kind of as a result of that home run. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, you just need to not lose two games against the Orioles at home. And they still could. <laughs> they still could they do that. Could. But the idea of fighting for a split with the Orioles in a home series is awfully grim. Yeah. And it, and like none of it, I mean, it's not that none of it matters. All the wins matter, but it's like the the, the stakes are low. We're we're in mid-June. Like you it could ha- the, the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates like last week, right? Or the, the, you know, not that long ago. Uh this is just baseball. It happens. It's it's it, you know, you got to you got to be able to roll with the punches and yet <laughs> I can't blame anyone for being, you know, just dying with that game when it looked like it had spun out of control. And it's like, really, we're going to lose another game to the Orioles. Like this, what a, what a, what a shitty outcome because, you know, the Red Sox are coming and the stupid Yankees aren't stopping, uh, you know, that train that they're on where they keep winning and the stupid Ray, even though they're playing the race uh, uh, at the moment or tonight or whatever, just the current series this week, uh, you know, so that'll, that'll set at least one of them back. It's uh, it, it, it Every every win does count. It, the stakes are not nothing. Yeah, I mean, last year they missed the playoff by a single game, and it's very. I've heard about to that. Keep, it's, yeah, it's it's keep yeah. coming back to that. <laughs> but, you know, like what if this is the game? You know what I mean? And then you can send Brandon Hyde uh, edible arrangement and send him for <laughs> maybe he was having some edibles when he made those decisions. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, truly, it's like the one time when that's a good idea. Anyway, we could we could talk about that and harp on that, but I don't think we'd have anything novel to say. I saw that you wrote about this, and this happened since our last podcast. I wanted to touch on the Ryu news because sure. I don't know if you can say he's firmly done as a Blue Jay, but it sure seems like the most likely outcome that this is the end of his Blue Jays tenure, or if they are able to you know, squeeze a tiny bit out of him at the back end of 2023. I'd be very surprised if that's an important contribution uh, that adds kind of real value to them. So I know that you put pen to paper on this, but what's your kind of big picture 
perspective on the Ryu era for the Blue Jays in that contract. Yeah, well, before that, before that, I'll say like, yeah, I think you're right, but also I think like they have to move on, right? Like they like even if it's even if it's like the most optimistic is like nine months, which is March, so mid March, so that's when he's. You know, then then you're then you're really yeah. really just starting to ramp up. It's like they they can't they can't pencil pencil him in for a rotation spot next year. He and that's going to, you know, he's he'll he'll be one of the wild cards. You know, at the six six through nine starter uh, that they have, you know, potentially disposal. You know, to at their disposal. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's done. You're right, but they have to move on. They have to move on this year, and they have to move on next year because they don't know what they're going to get. And you know, you never know what's going to. I mean, it wouldn't shock anybody. I don't think if it was the full Tommy John and not just the partial one. I don't know. And and, and you know, uh, it all sucks. And we've all you know tried to process that already. Because uh, yeah, he was a fun. He's a fun pitcher. I don't. And that's. <laughs> I just said was. I'm like trying not to talk about him in the past tense just yet because uh, that's not fair. But he's a great pitcher. He's a fun guy. Uh, I think that you know, in in terms of like the legacy and what he meant to, like I think it was. I think a lot of people recognize this thankfully because he was such a likable guy and, and is such an easy guy to root for, uh, and was so good in 2020. I think I tweeted and I maybe put in the piece that, that I wrote about it. Like Rafael Dolis was like. Uh, like uh, about just over a half win by Fangraphs War was the second best pitcher on the Blue Jays. And they were, they, you know, it was expanded playoffs, but they made the playoffs. It was a playoff team. And like Ryu's was like just the guy. That was why that happened. And, you know, you could, you know, the contract being just being signed, just them giving out that money meant something and mending fences with Boris and looking like a team that's really going to be serious and was really turning the corner, I think was just really incredibly meaningful. And it, it, it uh, I, theoretically it could have been with somebody else, I guess, but he just, uh, uh, he was just such a perfect fit because they needed that You know, they had the young hitters, they had, the, they, they had, you know, a lot of the other pieces in place, but uh, that anchor of the rotation they really needed. And I think they, they knew, and I think everybody knew from day one that like, you know, the, that's this is why teams didn't want to offer him that fourth year, and why the Blue Jays stepping up and doing it was what allowed them to get the player, um, because teams kind of were afraid that this would happen because his, his health, the arm health, has not been great. But uh, but I think it's a trade or a signing that everybody would do, you know, over and over again. I think uh, uh, you know you'd hope it worked out better, I guess. But uh, but but there's all sorts of peripheral stuff that. I think makes it worthwhile, even if, you know, you don't get the value out of the contract that you would have hoped for, obviously. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I'm sort of of two minds about it. The first is basically exactly what you said. He was so essential to 2020. 2020 was this weird thing, but it was, it did feel important to the trajectory of this franchise. Like it had been such a grim time from 2017, 2018, 2019. We saw those young guys, but even, you know, even Vladdy hadn't really shown himself to be the force that he would later become. Um, it was unclear exactly what that core was going to be for you, even though there was plenty of reason for optimism. And he's, a, you know, he's the first guy to really sign and be added to this core. And it, symbolically, it was all very important what he did. And he was amazing to watch in 2020. Like yes. He, he was very much like those kind of Mark Burley type of vibes, but even better. You know, the changeup um what you know as a Cy Young finalist the changeup was a beautiful pitch the way he could spot corners like it it was amazing his run from kind of 2018 to 2020 is fantastic yeah 
here's the you know soulless joyless side. <laughs> well, as as the industry demands, yes. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that goes into why we think about Ryu in a positive light in terms of his Blue Jays tenure really was sort of beyond his control and beyond what he literally did. Like it wasn't him who chose to be the one who joined the Blue Jays at that particular juncture. Like I'm sure he liked the idea of coming to Toronto and there are positive things there and all that jazz, but he came probably mainly for the extra year. And, you know, the 2020 season was this weird, you know, bizarre truncated thing. The team actually got outscored that season, which people forget. They easily could have not made the playoffs. Like, yes, he dragged them there, but he dragged them to, you know, lose two games and be outclassed. And again, like that was a good experience and that was, you know, good for franchise trajectory. But a lot of the stuff that we like about Ryu is because of what happened around him and how he seems to fit into that. But there's a very obvious alternate universe where the Blue Jays don't make the 2020 playoffs and it didn't really feel important. That year didn't feel important the way it does feel important to us now. And, you know, he could have signed at a year where someone else signed or um, it's just a different part of the process. So, if you look at it from the very, like you said, like the industry demands, the very cold sort of contract value perspective, he's paid about $67 million, um, with so the COVID short in 2020. Fangraph says he is worth, to this point, about $35.6, uh, more like 41 if you go by R9 war, which is better for him because he's always been good at getting soft contact. So that is, they paid a lot of money and they didn't extract the value you'd want to. And it seemed like a lot of stuff that happened beyond his control helped his legacy, for back, lack of a better term. That being said, super fun to watch. A guy that, like you said, very easy to root for. And it, doing well, that well, deal made sense in the end. And we and we don't live in that alternate universe. We live in this one. So, you know, that's okay, I, I think. And, and also... I don't know. They, they made enough surplus with the Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray that uh, it all comes out in the wash. Uh, be, you know, I don't know. I, I, I will. I will have nothing but fond memories for Ryu uh, if this really is it, which uh, I'd be really surprised if it was. Was not. Yeah, uh, it's going to be mean, real hard for him to pitch his way back into the picture in the middle of next year because they're going to have to move on. Yeah, and you know, do we think that a guy at his age with his history of injuries is the guy who's going to get the fastest possible recovery? It's conceivable, but it doesn't seem likely. Like, if someone's going to take a little longer, it might be the guy who takes a little longer between every start when he can get it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go a little bit. Let's go. Let's bring it up a bit here. Okay. Uh, All the right. next thing I wanted to touch on was the the sort of Blue Jays Twitter fever dreams we've been having over the past couple <laughs> of days about Shohei Otani. Um, it's funny because if two we I don't know two weeks ago three weeks ago someone started floating that idea of like oh the Blue Jays should go after Otani they would have been branded as you know being totally out to lunch and this is like the most insane homerism and it's silly and it doesn't make any sense. That's still, generally speaking, how I feel about it. But the circumstances have changed. You know, the Angels have taken a nosedive. If they're looking, you know, realistically at their books and the trajectory of their franchise and how much can they afford to pay him, and he's not under contract much longer, you could cook up a scenario where they trade him for a huge package of prospects, like truly enormous, uh, and try and you know reset around Trout for like the thirteen thousandth time. Um, 
I don't, I don't see it, but it is interesting that it's gotten to the point where it doesn't feel as silly as it would have, you know, three weeks ago. Does it, I mean, does it feel any sillier than the Juan Soto stuff? Uh, I don't know, similar level. I think it actually, I think it is less silly than Juan Soto because like Juan Soto is so young and the Nationals have traditionally spent money that it seems like it's it would be getting rid of Juan Soto is just like giving up on winning in a general sense, whereas getting rid of Otani is giving up on winning for the next one and a half years. Is how yeah, and and yeah, and they got they they've got some payroll uh, to be to consider there in in Anaheim. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it would still it would shock me, but also. Nothing would shock me in that situation. Like that's really grim. Uh, was not was not a great idea of him to walk into it. Apparently, but who wouldn't want to play with Mike Trout and uh, you know Joe Madden getting them getting them mohawks on the day he gets fired? Uh, a wild story. <laughs> no, like uh, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating franchise. It's so um, I don't know uh, that that would be a, that that would be. It's it's silly, and it's silly for you know us to be talking about it, and you know, and like, are we, are we going to name our prospect packages we'd give up? Because it's like it's like literally it's everyone, everybody, it's yeah, everyone you've got, and people that you haven't personally heard of that are really good, that are really young <laughs> it far really, away. it really is. It's everybody. It's everything. Yeah, it's the like the Jose Ramirez thing that we talked about for so long. Like that made a lot of sense. This is closer to Soto than it is to that, but. Yeah, it, it falls in the middle. I'm, I'm pulling up the standings right now because it's like I'm thinking, how out of it are the Angels? Like, can they talk themselves into this year they can make a comeback? And I discovered to my dismay, um, this, yeah, this is me reading the MLB standings in real time. Great audio. <laughs> uh, that the Texas Rangers have actually uh, gotten in front of them in the standings, which I did not realize. Oof. But they they are five games out of the wild card, which I don't think is truly dead. I think that they could convince themselves. Now they're about. Oh to, yeah, they're some playing the Dodgers right now, so that's not great. But I don't think that they're quite at the you know two seconds to mid midnight or whatever you want to call it. Like they're not quite at the this is truly over moment. No, but it's fun to think that they might be, and and you know, uh, uh, good on Ken Rosenthal for uh, for putting that out there because there are I think real concerns, but. Uh, but yeah, I, it, I think it's more than the soda. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's only a couple years, but I guess soda would, would be two or three. I don't even remember, but it's like, you're talking about two players. You're talking about like, you're talking about four years. Cause it's two years of control of a great pitcher and two years of control of a great hitter. Like it, the price would be absurd and rightly so. Um, uh, you know, he's going to make an absurd amount of money. Like uh, once that once that contract expires, and and as he should, because he's kind of taken a bath after the, you know the way that he came over after the, the posting system uh, changed. Like he's 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 got he's going he's got to go to arbitration. Like it's it, it's a weird deal that he got, and he just came over to like to to accept the challenge of MLB and to win, and then for some reason pick the Angels. Yeah, I mean, I respect <laughs> it because people go, they follow the money 99.9% of the time. And I'm talking about baseball. I'm also talking about, you know, almost any industry. So he was motivated in a different direction. And I think that that's, that's cool and interesting to see. This LA thing has not really worked out for him. I think if you want to do that thing where you're like, I'm willing to give it all up for Otani, 
you kind of have to be the Dodgers or the Yankees. You know what I mean? Like you have to be a team that's already kind of locked in near the top of their, basically at the top of their division. And you're like, if I get this player, I'm straight up winning the World Series. And we know that's not how baseball works um, and that anything can happen in the playoffs. But I think you have to have that belief that if I get Otani, there's no way I don't win the World Series. And the Blue Jays are really good. I'm not sure if they could have that same level of belief. I think, that, I, I think they could. You, I, I, think, I think they, I think they could. I mean, that's a, that's a great rotation. That's a, uh, he's, he's a switch hitter, right? I mean, uh, yeah, it'd be real good. They would be really good, but they're also really good with you know the deficit in the division. It's just a little bit more complicated when you're not yeah. sitting at the oh, top. Okay. Of the fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, they should do it. Yeah, just <laughs> prospects long, report long before, yeah. 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 Uh, Ricky Tiedemann, enjoy enjoy Anaheim, buddy. Uh, speaking of prospects, Nate Pearson uh, making some minor <laughs> I don't waves. Don't think he qualifies for, as one anymore, but okay. Making some minor waves in in Buffalo. He, he's pitching pretty well, apparently. Um, we're starting to hear that drumbeat of like, oh, he's got to earn his way onto the team. But at the same time, like, you know, the Blue Jays don't have the greatest bullpen. And I think that once he's kind of ready, like, I don't know, is Matt Gage going to hold him down? I know, like, there's the two lefty thing, but realistically, I don't know if Trent Thornton, Trevor Richards, I mean, that's it's, a whole it's other Trevor other Richards thing. for me. I... Yeah, it's, that's a whole other deal, the Trevor Richards thing. Um, what I'm curious about is so like let's say that Nate Pearson is the multi-inning guy that they always talk about do we think about Nate Pearson as a guy who is a quasi piggybacker for guys that we think aren't going deep into games so you know Ross Stripling I know he's been great recently but like do we think of him as a guy to bring in after Ross Stripling and then feel like you've created like a really good six seven innings or is he that guy that you want to pitch the seventh, eighth? And it it could evolve, but when you hear about the multi inning relief role, there's multiple ways that that can play out. And I don't, I mean, it makes sense. The Blue Jays ha- are not getting ahead of themselves, and they're not going to be overt about that right now. But getting ahead of yourselves is kind of like the point of podcasting. Um, <laughs> yes. So which which side of that coin do you think that Pearson is maybe more suited for, or makes more sense for if they bring him up? Well, I mean, it's like when. When Kikuchi has a dud, here comes Trevor Richards to get to try to get you know four or five outs, uh, or here comes Trent Thornton. Right? I mean, I think that if you can get a Pearson up to three innings, like maybe those are uh, uh, those, those, those. That's a valuable spot to put him in. Uh, it sounds like they're going to try to do that. He's getting a lot of rest between starts, and it, it seems like they're really going to be very deliberately building him up. Um, you know, he's only pitched six innings in Buffalo so far, kind of, do, kind of doing two at a time. They're like, okay, we'll get to three. I like, I, I wrote about this today. Like it's, you know, the, the, the most optimistic, like best case kind of scenario I think is, you know, you get him up to three innings, he comes up and maybe if you have a need, maybe uh, you give you give him a start. And if it goes well, you can maybe start pushing him the way they kind of did. And I think Charlie Montoya said this last night as well. Like if you start to push him uh, the way that they have done with Ross Stripling and, and he could become a guy who, you know, gets more innings each time he goes out. Uh, that would be cool if the need was there. The need being there would not be as cool. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I think you're right. He's going like he's there. There are. I kind of. I kind of am curious about Matt Gage, but uh, with Trevor Richards, I'm about done with. I'm curious about Trent Thornton as well at the moment because he's he's been pretty good since he came back, but. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I didn't want to give a shout out to Thornton, but we have we can do that. That's never urgent. Oh, I was going to say we had a caller. We had a caller disappear. Yeah, yeah that's happened. fine. We got we got so, some we got some accidental callers from time to time. Uh, but, you know, you know no, I do <laughs> want to shout out Trent Thornton because he had another strong outing on Tuesday. You know, with relievers, you're never going to have a satisfactory sample size. So you're always going to be, you know, trusting your eyes a little bit, trusting the stuff and doing a little bit of guesswork. But we're at 24.2 innings, you know, 2.59 ERA, 2.60 FIP, uh, you know, 3.53 X ERA. So slightly higher because he hasn't given up a home run yet this year. So that makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's hard to like really jump aboard this bus and like trust it to be, no, to be fair, he doesn't have to be a star. You know, he, he's a, he's going to be a low leverage guy or a multi-inning guy, however you want to play it. And that's sort of what people expected him to be. You know, when he started all those games and held his own, that was a bonus for a while. Um, but last year it was, it was really rough for him. Like it felt like he didn't have the tools to get hairs out. It felt like guys could kind of wait him out, force him into the zone and punish that fastball. The breaking balls look a little bit sharper this year. The slider, you know, he's throwing it more than half the time against right-handed hitters. That's pretty yeah. extreme. That's very yeah. different than what we've seen from him before. I don't want to be on that, like, Trent Thornton's a guy kick. But, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned Trevor Richards. Like, if we're talking about getting some innings tomorrow, like, who do you trust more? I would have been very surprised if you told me before the season, like by June, you're going to end up trusting Trent Thornton more than you trust Trevor Richards. I would have thought that that's kind of absurd, but that's sort of where we are. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I, 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 I've already written a thing for, you know, I don't know if I'll have to cut it or not because I'm going to have to write about all the craziness of, of that game. But, uh, but especially I think if you break it into, you know, before the demotion and after the demotion, because like when he got demoted, the results were do were, were were all right. I think the ERA was like three fifty, but what was really the problem was, uh, you know, I think his I think he had like ten strikeouts and eight walks in fifteen innings or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. It was like, uh, it was just like the the walks the walk per nine was way too high. The the strikeout per nine was way too low. It was just it's like that's that's just you don't see major leaguers with stuff like that and when the demotion happened and he it just it's like yeah he's not trustworthy he's getting hit hard it's all you know this is not a guy that you feel is going to uh you feel that the bottom's going to drop out even if the results haven't quite uh followed that as yet I had no problem with the demotion was was ready to be done with Trent Thornton and very quietly he's pitched nine innings now including the ones on uh on Tuesday night two and a, two and two thirds uh I think he has 10 strikeouts in nine innings just one walk like a couple of hits, like he's allowed one run and it's like, okay, you know, that, as you say, he'll never get a satisfactory sample size out of the reliever, but that's sort of encouraging. And the, and you can see sort of how the pitch mix changes because this, this new, new version or whatever, this, the, this refined version of him is, uh, has only happened in June. So you can see that he's, you know, the slider usage is, is going up. Like it's, that's a work in progress. I think Mitch Bannon of uh, the SI site uh, wrote about that and talked to, uh, I want to say Dave Howell, but I'm probably going to get his name wrong, but uh, one of the pitching coordinator, pitch coordinator for the Jays about how he was looking at different grips in spring training and uh, had, had kind of settled up, like, like found one that he kind of liked right at the end of spring training and is, is like put it into action right away and the sliders kind of become a different thing for him and it's still a work in progress and uh i'm, I'm intrigued i must say i'm intrigued and i don't know that you can find out who trent thornton is by just sending him to buffalo again uh and trevor richards 
Um, I think, and I think I wrote this the other day. Like, I mean, very likely that if you like, he's out of options. If you try to, if you try to get him off the roster, he's going to go through waivers. He's going to get claimed. He's going to go somewhere else. Probably be fine. Like this, is probably just a little weird blip that's happening to him. I don't dislike Trevor Richards that much as a pitcher. I think that you know he's had some success, but also I'm about real, real fucking done with that. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm on Team Horton over Richards at the moment, which uh, perhaps one day I'll look back and think. I was real dumb, but that's sort, of, that's sort of par for the course in this sport. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to give up on Richards because he just misses so many bats and the changeup is so good when it's on. But, you know, just the way people are pounding him right now, it just, you know, it has not abated. There's not been a good stretch of him for an extended period of time, limited <laughs> contact in any <laughs> the, way. The wa- you're going to walk guys and then give up home runs. If it's the other way around, it's not as bad. But, you know, you're kind of relying on on sequencing there a little too much because the walks and the home runs are going to happen. But exactly the way you laid it out is how it would go down, right? Like you get rid of Richard, someone else picks him up. There's a decent chance he's fine. For sure. Um, For sure. And that would be painful. And you're like, Oh, I could have just sent down Thornton and whatever. And this, you know, it's bad asset management, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we've talked about this before. The blue Jays are kind of past asset management. Like we're it's winning time for this franchise. That's the tri league. Yeah. If you end up in a situation where you let a useful MLB MLB player go, fine, that happens. You know, like they they're in that position. You know, basically they let Reese McGuire go. He's an MLB player. Uh, not a good one. <laughs> okay, yeah. But like, they they were in a position before where like anyone who is an MLB caliber player, the idea of getting rid of them. Uh, and not getting anything for them was a, like a serious issue because they were trying to build up talent, but the talent has been built up. Um, and if and you know what were- they 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 hit on some you know Brandon Drury's having a nice year. There there are some guys who are former Jays where it's like oh, okay they caught, you know maybe they saw something you know maybe they did see something there that he just didn't wasn't able to show. There's there, there's a few examples around where, where Brandon Drury's the the, the the like most benign one because nobody was going to be like oh how dare they not keep Brandon Drury longer before he hit 13 home runs in a couple months. But even Baker tonight looked pretty yeah. intriguing as a guy who could get MLB hitters out. Like as a good team, you're gonna have you're gonna have drift. Uh, what am I? What word am I looking for? Driftwood. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna have flotsam i believe is the word I was there looking you for. go uh kind of coming off the side of your boat and it, it's gonna end up being useful for other teams but that's something you live with and the blue jays are sort of above and beyond all of that and if a trevor richards gets sacrificed to make this team better to give a nate pearson a role that's just the way it is and- it, w- it would be nicer if some of their like their better young pitching was you know in triple A or double A at this point, though, because you know you can't, you know, you, there's there's not you know Thomas Hatch, Anthony K, those guys, Casey Lawrence having a great year. Don't believe it. You, I saw tweeting about uh, Adrian Hernandez about how that screwball. Yeah, but, I mean, it looks might fun, not work. Like, might not work the same on, against guys. big leaguers. Yeah, yeah like the, there's so much enthusiasm about him based on that one clip. I know his his stats are good, but like we've seen countless times, guys with good triple-A stats, just not, especially guys who it's don't It's a pretty big jump, it turns out, yeah. Like, I'm, again, like, he might be great, and I'd, be, I'd absolutely love to see him be great, 
But, you know, if I had needed a bullpen guy, like I'd like to see them, I mean, they continue to try and make Thomas Hatch a starter. I know that I've brought this up an inordinate amount of time on this podcast, but I just don't understand why Thomas Hatch is supposedly a starter. And like he was a good reliever when he was a reliever that time. And we've spent like two years not having him be useful to the team at all. Um, but now he might be the next starter up. I mean, that's well, they, they don't have anyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough situation that way. But you're you're right. Like the AAA depth for pitching, whether it's starters or relief pitchers, is an issue right now. It's a pretty significant issue, and that would make letting someone like Richards go um, harder to stomach. And I I think it's pretty unlikely that they i think you know they could send down gauge or whatever like it does seem unlikely that they're going to cut bait on someone when they feel like their depth is so slim but uh yeah i wouldn't necessarily be against it yeah no i think you're right i i i, I mean thornton yeah thornton can be optioned so maybe you know maybe the summer of trent is going to have to be put off for another year hot trent summer <laughs> uh, what a nightmare uh, I think this is a good place to leave it. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in to Blue Jays Happy Hour. Um, we're glad to talk to you after what ended up not being a truly dreary game, which is always a benefit. We'll be back early next week. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming in live, listening afterwards. Thankfully, all our RSS stuff has been resolved, so you can listen to it whenever at your own convenience. And, uh, yeah, please leave us reviews, ratings, all that jazz that Internet people tell you to do. Uh, We appreciate them as well because there's algorithms out there that help determine our success in this venture. All right. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you early next week.